I'm Justin Gerhardt. And I'm Eddie Fritz. Welcome to the Queer Network Podcast. Join us as we explore queer in the 21st century. Welcome to all of the panelists. Thank you for being here. Thanks for having me. Let's go around the circle and uh, introduce yourself. Name, age, and what you do. I'm Greg. I'm 23 and a student. I'm Twisted. I'm 29. I'm a performer and I'm an object educator at Black Coalition for AIDS Prevention. I'm Ed, I'm 62, and I'm a co-creator of The Queer Network. I'm Brandon, I'm 18, and I am a vocalist and writer of a band that I'm trying to start. I'm Max Claude, I'm 28, and I'm an artist. My name is Lou, I'm 54 years old, and I'm in business development. Well, again, I just want to thank you all for being here. This is really, we feel, an amazing opportunity to start a conversation within the queer community, but also for anybody who wants to know more about the queer community. So the first question I have for you is why did you guys want to do this? Whoever we are, whatever color we are, whatever preferences we have, however we identify, it's important that we expose ourselves and show people that we're all human beings. Like just another way to move forward in these types of discussions to be happening for straight people, gay people, all people. Mm -hmm. And it's just a different perspective and learning on other people's perspectives, which is always great. Yeah. I love to have these discussions with my friends in my everyday life. Yeah. So I was really interested when I was asked to do it. Um, I, I love to have the discussions because I like to formulate opinions mm -hmm. on a lot of the questions that uh, might be asked. And um, I really wanted to do it because I think I have a strong enough voice mm -hmm. um, from my own personal background in terms of like, you know, people who aren't as informed in what our community is. Yeah. And I really personally wanted to be here to listen to other people's experiences as well as voice my own. Yeah, and I think too, it's just, it's about education. It's about educating people, mm -hmm. not only us and our community, but everyone, you know? And see that we wanted to show as much as we can with six or seven or eight people, you know, the diversity of our community and that it, it, it is this different. Everybody's unique in some way and yet we're all queer or we're all gay or it depends how we identify so we're gonna dive right in let's talk about sex right <laughs> wow. that's the first place <laughs> first question is how do you define sex originally used to think that sex was like going at it what does going like, at it mean penetration just... that. <laughs> that okay um but i've recently learned that it's Pretty much like any sexual act. Mm -hmm. So like, just like pretty much just anything. Yeah. But at the same time, yeah. I'm only like I would just say that's like I hooked up with someone. Right. That's vague and wonderful. But like I had sex with someone, and then there was penetration. Right. Mm -hmm. So hooking up so doesn't necessarily mean yeah. Hooking up is like everything else. Mm -hmm. And also sex, but but, but yeah. But that's like when you don't want to say like oh I. I just sucked his dick. <laughs> yeah. You say I have Sex and hooking up. Like, what does does hooking up necessarily mean you have sex? Is that like, yes, if you hook up, that's sex? Like, you know. Well, but that's you wanting to keep it vague. You want to tell someone you had sex with them. Great. But say yeah. you hooked up. You assume whatever you want to assume. But some people think that sex is only sex when you have, as you say, penetration. Mm -hmm. You know? <laughs> I, I happen to think sex is if you. You do oral. 
that's to me a sex. Mm -hmm. Kissing is not sex, but I think when you go beyond that, for me, I think that's sex. Yeah, I think once you can get off on it, um, then it's sex. Once um, you can get off on it. Yeah, like oh. so some people are even into watching other people have sex, right? It might not be like direct sex uh -huh. with, the, with the group, but it's still kind of sexual. Yeah. So you can get off on it, right? But um, yeah, that's my definition of sex is really something that has a quote-unquote happy ending, uh -huh. right? For somebody, somehow, some way, right? right? So it doesn't necessarily have to be intercourse or penetration, right? right? It can be, or it could be head, or it could mm -hmm. be... Um, for you, you have to have an orgasm for it to be called sex? Or that can result in orgasm, because mm -hmm. sometimes it gets interrupted, right? And right. it doesn't finish. Or it, or or it, it just want to doesn't finish. fit exactly, yeah. right? What defines safe sex to you guys? Of course, the emphasis on HIV is extremely important because mm -hmm. that's... That is sort of like the ultimate worst thing you can catch. Mm -hmm. But I find that if, if that's what safe sex focuses on, it misses a lot of points mm -hmm. in terms of other STIs. Absolutely. Uh, HIV, yeah, it might be the worst one, but it's not necessarily the easiest one to catch. Mm -hmm. Whereas back to what is sex, well, a blowjob in an alley, you can get gonorrhea from that. Yeah. You, you can know? get an STI from laying naked beside somebody. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Exactly. So, safe sex to me is reducing as much as possible the risk of any transmission. Mm -hmm. and but there's no such thing as 100% safe sex, which is called abstinence. Right. Which would technically so be So that's how you have safe sex. No sex. Well, just yeah. Right. Yeah, so just wanna, you know, because like I said, I work at Black Coalition for AIDS Prevention, so I do this. Um, in 2018, uh, HIV is definitely not the worst STD you can catch, hepatitis C and other stuff because of no having, having no vaccine mm -hmm. and no cures and stuff like that actually mm -hmm. do a lot more damage in 2018. And um, the reason why we say safer sex now is because there is really that definition of safe sex mm -hmm. can be really like misconstrued across the board. Yeah. So people emphasize safer sex and the way to have safer sex is to know the person that you're having sex with, right, um, their sexual health, which, I mean, it depends on the context of which you're meeting the person in, right? So if you're hooking up, right, the safest sex usually is to ask some surface questions because you can't really get into detail with somebody you're just hooking up with, right, yeah. who wants to do that. Yeah. So you have safer sex by asking some questions or using a condom mm -hmm. and just keeping yourself safe, yeah. right? As safe as you can. I mean, it's a as risk. As safe as you can be, which sex is why you are yeah. safer sex. Yeah. When I came out, there was no such thing as safe sex. Mm -hmm. There was no people, no one wore condoms. And then came the whole AIDS thing. And then it became, it was very different. And people were having sex, safe sex. People were afraid to have sex. And then that, it's still there, but it's very different now. So, you know, I'd be interested to know, like, the young ones on the panel. Like, to me, but even the sex that I have now, it's rare um, that people use condoms. Don't even talk about it. Now, there's a reason for that. What do you guys think is the reason for that? Correct. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Yeah. It's like we've gone back in time because HIV is no longer a death sentence anymore. Mm -hmm. And during the beginning of that epidemic, it, doctors were trying to warn, like they were trying to say, don't have sex. That's not going to happen. We're also now in this day and age, just not going to, we're not going to stop having sex. So. But now you have to understand that if you're going to use, if you're going to be on prep, and you still and you don't use a condom, then STIs, other STIs, are a risk that you're putting yourself up for. But is prep like if you're on prep, there's no way you can. You can well, it's it. not a full. No, you have to be taking prep 28 days, right, for it to even kick in to be able to um, fight off anything. If if you even 
are able to use it, right? So they do tests when you're interested um, to find out if it could work for you because not everybody is actually able to use PrEP. Right. People um, have this idea that, like you guys were mentioning, that it protects you against everything, mm -hmm. which we know is obviously not true, yeah. right? So that is a good thing that you did say that because HIV, people think HIV, HIV, and now that we're not thinking HIV, mm -hmm. that everything is just, um, you know, free for all, yeah. for lack of a better word. Yeah. So now you have um, doctors who are really trying to find out why people are even taking PrEP, mm -hmm. right? So for instance, if you're in a zero discordant relationship, which means that one person is HIV negative and one person is HIV positive, then that is more of a reason that they will allow you to get on PrEP, mm -hmm. right? Versus somebody who is just, mind you, if, even if somebody, let's say, is a sex worker, mm -hmm. they would allow to get on PrEP too because their chances of exposing themselves to the virus is higher. Yes, I think yeah. that's why more so why it was created, mm -hmm. so that somebody who has a partner who's HIV positive can still have you know, it's one but person, they monitor it very closely, you're mm -hmm. on PrEP, he's, his, his viral load is, is, is so super low that you wouldn't be able to pass it mm -hmm. on, and that gives them the ability to have unprotected sex. Yeah. But it's also now being used to, for other things, for other things which is a natural progression. So, mm -hmm. who yeah. on the, are we all sexually active on this panel? Yes. Yes. In some way. I would say, like, my experience with PrEP and not using a con like, People will refuse to have sex with you if you want to wear a condom, right? And because they're on prep and they they're safe in that in those regards. Mm -hmm. But I'm like, I don't, I don't know you. We're hooking up, and I'm like, I don't want to risk getting something else. That you something have. else. Yeah, I'm just way too health conscious to like take on that medication to whatever harm that it. May be doing or you're just taking a drug that's so strong to be killing a sort of virus that I don't want to be putting in my system when I could just be having safer sex mm -hmm. and like know my partner. Do you guys get tested regularly? Because that I feel is sort of a gray, another gray area in our community that you just sort of like, oh I don't feel any symptoms, it's fine, I, I like just won't go get tested. I'll have like a couple of Hookups and like, okay, it's been it's been a while. Like nothing's happened. We're good, but like, let's go. It's been yeah, a while. Yeah. But that also falls, I feel, under safe sex is like knowing what your status is mm -hmm. personally before you hook up with other people. Yeah, and it like knowing what your status is and you know being on the right medication, like taking care of yourself before mm -hmm. you know you affect someone else. Yeah. Do you agree? In your like in your your generation, your age group, are people are there most people or a lot of people on prep or? and or are people practicing safe sex or not? I mean, I, like, as a personal thing, I am always practicing safe sex, like, even when I'm in a relationship, mm -hmm. I'm still, like, using a condom and, like, you know, getting tested just to make sure I'm, I'm good. I'll, I have a lot of friends who don't practice safe sex and are on PrEP, um, who are not practicing safe sex even before they were on PrEP. Do they think they're practicing safe sex, though? Well, when they're because on PrEP. Because they're on PrEP. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So I think that's sort of like, oh, I'm good. Yeah. Yeah. With Until you get an STI. With, with, yeah. But I don't think people that. think, really think much about STIs. See, I yeah. never did. But then I was in a monogamous relationship. <laughs> My part was monogamous. And then I caught literally all of them in one year. And my health was so fucked that, like, it took, because you don't, like, I don't realize until, like, a week or whatever has gone by, mm -hmm. and then now I, I have symptoms, so I go get tested, great, take the medication, that's another week, like, literally a month goes by before you feel better, 
and then like, then it's an awkward situation in this relationship, whatever, have sex with someone else, I get something else, finally we have sex, and then it's another one, and I'm just like, just kept like beating my system down, so now I'm like, I don't care that you're on prep, I don't want this ever again. Right. Mm -hmm. People who are on prep, I think they think that they can't catch anything. I don't. I don't know. I don't really know. What in your? Is that what you? Um, well, my, me personally, the thing is that there are not many black guys on prep. So okay. um, yeah. So even with like all this wealth of knowledge, yeah. Um, I don't really know many guys that are on prep. Um, Specific reason? Like for me, it's money. I, like I don't want to pay. But there's kind of like there's ways of getting it for free. There where, are. Yeah. Um, even even with that, people are still not um, mm -hmm. taking it. People are really apprehensive about just drugs. It's like black people don't even go for the flu shot. Let's just be honest, right? There, right? Okay. So, so it's like it's a much less. Thing. Yeah, I think it is a cultural thing. Mm -hmm. Actually, it makes it would make a lot of sense. Yeah. And not to mention, like there is like I guess um, information out there that is like. If you have, uh, if your viral load is under a certain amount, then it's untransmittable, like yeah. you said. So if technically one person is untransmittable, then why would you need to do prep? Right. Right. So if that person is on, so you know, there's just people are just really um, mm -hmm. nervous about doing these kind of things, and they hear about prep, which, like you said, is very strong on the body, so yes. people don't want to hurt themselves. So prep, different than pep. <clears throat> yes. Pep is post. If you felt like you were at risk, you would go in for a three day like just punch in the gut yeah. of, of similar drugs to what is prep. Yes. Like a morning after a pill. Morning after yeah. pill. Yes. Um, which is great that we have that for those scares that are possible. Yeah, um, but you know, that's why prep became prep because they're like, well, let's just prevent this completely. Now, part of the conversation about uh, sex and, and safer sex is drugs and alcohol. Because we all can sit around this table and say, table, there's no table. <laughs> we can sit on this panel and say, I, I totally practice safe sex, absolutely, but when drugs and alcohol are involved, we're making very silly choices, so that's part of this conversation. Do you guys have sex while on drugs and alcohol? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. So do I. Yeah, it's hot. Um, it changes the game? It changes the game um, a lot. It's interesting, too, because I, I feel like drugs and alcohol are way more um, of a thing mm -hmm. in gay culture than in heterosexual party lifestyle. I, I can see we, we have like poppers and, and yeah. all these, you know, like we have these drugs that we, and we have like, I feel like some more sex clubs that are yeah. like purely based on drugs right. to go to. And like, so how do we best enjoy <laughs> that, but also still practice safer sex. I mean, for me, it's like we need, you need to have made those choices before you took the drugs, mm -hmm. before you, you know, had your seventh shot, so that you at least have somewhere in your brain that like, oh, I don't, I'm still gonna wear a condom. I think then if you're really gonna look at sex and drugs, then you have to break it down into different types of drugs. Of yes. course. You know, yes. uh, it's one thing to get really drunk and do a few lines of coke and then get coke dick. Mm -hmm. versus being on ecstasy all night if they still do that mm -hmm. and being horny as hell or on meth or whatever right. so I, I, I don't know what's coptic yeah. well it's the inability to have an erection because one is just too intoxicated oh, yeah. awesome. now as much as on cocaine you can be really clear-headed you would have problems performing mm -hmm. people as well, uh, do do meth as well and then they also um, get meth dick I guess for lack of a better word um, or meth cock I don't yeah. know you can, which one it is. Yeah. <laughs> um, okay. yeah. And then 
then you have like other drugs like um like Viagra and stuff mm-hmm. like that that they would also party with to yeah. get up. Yeah. Um and then of course their inhibitions are way gone because yeah. you're like super lit, right? Yeah. So Mm-hmm. You're doing the wildest in the wildest. It's quite yeah. a buffet. Yeah. And so the that's... Buffet. I never even <laughs> thought of like you would take Viagra to, to counter get the fact that you have... All oh, right. Cocktail. Yeah. yeah. And that brings you... Back up. To reality. To reality. <laughs> <laughs> right. Whatever reality. To that reality. Right. This is my age showing, but I, that, that, is, that can be a really dangerous mix. It is. You know, between a few Red Bulls. Yeah. A few Red Bulls, some alcohol, a couple of lines of Coke, and then... Uh, Viagra, and then isn't there like a bit of meth? Then wow, that's mm-hmm. like if your dick is normally working, should you be taking Viagra? No. Well, know. it wouldn't like, be working because you're too high. Well, yeah, yeah but uh, well, that's also your doing. Yeah. yeah. Oh, for sure. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Wow. Uh, but this comes back to when, in, like, in the early '80s, they said stop having sex. No, we didn't. We didn't stop having sex, and. HIV became this huge epidemic. So we're not going to stop having sex and we're not going to stop using drugs and alcohol. In the but same sense that like, if you want to donate blood, stop having sex for a year. Not going to happen. Not going to happen. <laughs> you don't get my blood. <laughs> so how do we, is it just a matter of us talking about this more so people aren't as ashamed of making those choices? Or is this, we just let it keep happening? What? The unsafe just... sex. Well, I think I, you know, I think having the conversations is key, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and I think that's why um, us in like black communities don't really have that much. You know, we haven't really moved forward with a lot of these advancements. It's because mm-hmm. we don't like to have these conversations because we still see them as taboo, right. even though we still know that we're engaging, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. it's so strange, right? It's like people really take that whatever you do in your bedroom stays in your bedroom to the extreme, right. right? Like, even though we all know we're doing the same thing, it's like, you still have to kind of keep it on the hush when we're coming around each other. Mm-hmm. Um, we talk about having sex and we have have all this bunch of sex, but we're not that specific. Mm-hmm. Like how you guys were talking about earlier, like how, you're, how you um, share with your friends. Yeah. Yeah, like, we don't really share all those details. We just say like, you know, That's I hooked up I today. Yeah, you know, I got another one, mm-hmm. boom, boom, boom. And I think for the younger generations, like, this is why we need to be sharing this information because they need to know the consequences of their actions. This is what I never understood growing up. And I'm just grateful that I had the right people around me when I started to, when I took my first drug, that was a safe environment to explore. And I think that's, you know, I, I, I take it upon myself to do the same. People are not going to stop doing drugs and alcohol and people are not going to stop having unsafe sex. Mm-hmm. And people are going to think by taking prep that it's foolproof, and that they don't even think about STIs. I think if people are going to do that, the most important thing is to get tested. To your point, this uh, this idea that it's this foolproof medication that becomes a license for anything goes is I, I find that I think that's dangerous. And fun. then back to the issue of having uh, communication where people. people feel um, embarrassed to discuss what they want to do, what they're into, well, that that, that just doesn't work. There's so many risks involved. But but look, people people are always going to be promiscuous. Like, it's not going to change. It was was that way when I came out. It's been that way ever since. At what point is one promiscuous? You're probably your own gauge of that. Mm -hmm. You don't think you're promiscuous? I guess from my perspective, I'm I'm not on prep. But since that stuff has come out, I, it's given me the impression that 
and I could be very wrong, and, it, and I'm not judging people, that to each his own choice. It's not for me, but I have, it, it appears to be a license to just go out and get laid. And we know now with, with the apps, on the phone and whatever, you can get laid two, three times per day. Who's on the dating apps? Well, I have used them, but I'm not currently. I've used them before, but I'm not on them. Because that's part of this conversation, the ability to get sex so easily. It's all combined. I think it's it, it it's an addiction. You do mention it can be. Yeah. Interesting though, like that I think is problematic with um, drugs and alcohol that comes with um, sex is that um, consent, like communication. Mm -hmm. It's like I know yeah, I have friends exactly. who have gotten blackout drunk, and someone who's not maybe on the same level as them mm -hmm. has either like take advantage of the factor, and it's like you can tell when someone's you know wasted. Yeah. Too drunk to comprehend what's really happening. Where are your friends? Yeah. Where are yeah. your yeah. friends? <laughs> yeah. So Absolutely. I think consent is a huge a huge component <laughs> to practice safe sex. Like I, I have been thinking while I'm listening to all of you guys, and I definitely think that it's it won't be stopped, a lot of the things that are kinda of happening with like unsafe sex, but I think the best thing that everyone can do is kind of put it out there. Mm -hmm to everyone else as much as we can, yeah. just kind of talking about it like we are now. Yeah. Are people your age talking about this? No. There's a lot of people I know who, honestly, I don't think they've ever used a condom before. Because they, they don't know, know how to actually put one on. So is it um, not being taught? Not okay, but is it being taught in school? When you it were in is, school, yeah. what? Yeah, we were taught in school, not for a long period of time, it was like for maybe like two or three classes. Mm -hmm. And like, that's really it, and I mm. think it's more people who didn't who choose not to use it. Right. So, from my experience of seeing people, mm -hmm. well, I think it would be harder when you're younger to be like, it's already like a buzzkill to be like, let me get a condom. It's an uncomfortable conversation or a situation, and then also you're inexperienced, so it's just like, I don't want to be doing this. Someone like we need more people to understand is you have the right to say no at any point in the interaction. Well, yeah. it's back to normalizing these types of conversations, mm -hmm. which, again, that's why I'm here. Yeah. Does everybody here absolutely detest condoms? Because on the one hand, you're told, as you explained, that's kind of what they promote in school, yeah. right? Safe sex, condoms. But yet I'm hearing here, and it's, I sound like an outsider, but everybody absolutely hates condoms and nobody's using condoms. Is that, is that well, what I'm hearing? No, most of the people... So that would explain some of the yeah, most of the people I've had like, that I've talked to can't take condoms. Right. Can't take or won't hate, take. hate condoms. Hate. It doesn't feel the same, it's not the same, and now they think they have liberty to not use condoms because things are, you know, mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's HIV is not a death sentence anymore, and there's prep and blah, blah, blah. Yeah, yeah, I, I, yeah anybody that I've been involved with, but they don't that, even talk about condoms. Never. And if you mention that condoms, they say, oh, I hate condoms. I, it doesn't feel right. Wow. That, that's that you can choose to like take exactly. that or not. Exactly. Yeah. It's that your choice. That. Yeah. You yeah. Mm -hmm. that, that's and, and since you were saying just I think that's important to know that you don't you don't have to do that. And, yeah. and about promiscuity, go ahead, be as promiscuous as promiscuous as you want. Doesn't mean you have to be. Doesn't mean you have to be or or agree to be with someone who's promiscuous. Mm -hmm. Right? And it's, it's up to you. Like bring it up before you exactly. are you think it's too late. Like you don't have to wait till you're naked and should be putting it on. Right. It should be like, that was your discussion before. If that wasn't going to happen, then I'm not coming out with that. But I think that's part of the thing, too. There's, there's 
less conversation now these days. Yeah. People are not asking the question like, hey, like, uh, I, you know, I, are you really active sexually? And, you know, talking about, I remember it used to be like, okay, are you, are you clean? Do you have any, blah, blah, blah. People don't talk about that anymore. Yeah. I find. But I think it's like, because we're using these apps, which is so not organic, you're not meeting someone at a bar anymore, you're online and you just like, Tell me what you're into, top, bottom, so this, and whatever, yeah. that like you're going to... It's a checklist, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and so you're waiting to like, at least maybe when you get there, it'll feel like organic. You know, apps provide this place where, again, it is this checklist, and you think, this is my preference, and I do want to bring up preference, because it's a weird word where like, obviously you have preference, but if you're meeting somebody in a bar, you may meet somebody you didn't know you were attracted to, but there's something Absolutely. about their energy. There's that's something the, about their smile. And you're like, wow, I never would have stopped on the street to talk to you. But in person provides a different... <laughs> to talk to you. <laughs> <laughs> but all of a sudden, you, you would never have clicked on their profile. The other side of it is, I find, it's just, it's much easier to be on an app. It's much mm -hmm. easier than just to, to get ready, go to a bar, you know, stand around, la, 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 like... I don't know. I, I don't go to bars anymore, but I certainly use the apps. It's just so much you're sitting in the, you, the comfort of your home yeah. and you just go through and you swipe right, you swipe left, whatever you're on, and you, you know, you message somebody and, you know, you play the game. But then right. I just like check in or like I observe myself and I'm like, if I've been like swiping right or whatever for however long, and I'm like, this is it's gross. Game. Not gross, but like, I'm bored, and then you're going to be like, oh, let me get ready for this stranger, and then it'll be like, <laughs> two out of ten, like, terrible time, mm -hmm. and so I'm like, you know what, I don't want to chance it, I don't want to sacrifice good sex, yeah. and good sex, I don't know. And then there's the other side of it, like, I have many experiences with dating and meeting people who are on the apps, it's like, how many people here, like, half the time, the people don't look like at all. Their picture. It's like, <laughs> oh my god. Or they're not how they text. You know, that's yeah. the, we, you think you know somebody, and then, or you're like, oh, yeah, you have banter so online, and then you're in person, you're like, oh, you can't even speak to me. But yes. on social media is a great opportunity to portray yourself, to brand yourself as one type of person that you're half, yep. you're maybe a quarter or a half that way. Brandon, are, are you guys, is your age group using <laughs> I do know some people who, um, who do use it. I don't use it myself. Is it I tempting? Don't, it has been. I have mm -hmm. thought about it, but I'm not, I feel like if I was to find someone, I want to find them in person. Because mm -hmm. that's always kind of been the way that I've liked mm -hmm. to meet someone, and it's always how I've met people. Mm -hmm. So I've kind of stick towards that company. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But I think that's, that's un unusual, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah a mean, lot of people what about, I know don't. Gregor, you're I'm a little bit older than Brandon, but not much. Yeah. So what's your... Are your friends, is that all they use? Yeah, a lot of them do use the apps. Um, I was like pretty active on the apps too. I didn't use them for like what they're usually used for. Um, like hooking up. Hooking up, yeah. Um, but like Tinder and like going on dates and stuff, I definitely have and relationships have come from that. Mm -hmm. So I find that people who use them for, you know, dating and getting to know people, it's just a very slippery slope into the like, oh, this was just supposed to be a date, and then it turns into a hookup because it is just that easy or somebody's super late, and then it just, what do we both want? Well, we both just want sex. Mm -hmm. But again, that comes back to you checking in with yourself and 
finding out, like figuring out what, what at what level do you want to play this game? Some of these, some of these dating apps are supposed to be about dating, but in my experience, I think most of them are about sex, mm-hmm. about hooking up. I mean, okay. no matter, well, I, I was so naive at Tinder. I thought, oh, great, a dating app, and you know, la la la. Jeez, it's it's it's, it's sex. Yeah. It's there should be a difference you know? between a dating app and a sex app. Well, yeah, I think they they all started as a dating app. Tinder, like straight people. Really? Grinder was never app. a dating. I thought Grinder was a sex app. Totally. But I think the new ones. Yeah. There's another layer here that we need to bring in: open relationships yeah. slash monogamy. That's a whole other mm-hmm. conversation about these dating apps because the dating apps are using couples are using this to find a third to find a sex party. Where do you guys sit on monogamy versus open relationships? I've had a relationship with a guy who was interested, uh-huh. and like, there's not. I told him like, there's nothing wrong with that uh-huh. at all, but it's not my cup of tea, pretty much. Yeah. Because I feel like, I don't know, I feel like I would get jealous, okay. in a sense, for it. Um, and, like, just bringing a third person in, like, I don't know too much about it. Is it like, there's suddenly that whole relationship too, so it's like three people in one relationship? Or is it like, again, it like be. a hookup thing for a relationship? All of those it can are be all of whatever you decide you want it to be. Thruple is a new thing. It's not yeah. new, it's a thing. I mean, polyamorous. Um, me and my boyfriend, um, we definitely open the door when we need to open the door. Uh-huh. Um, <laughs> that sounds so like childish to say it like that. No, I like but, that. Um, I like it. Yeah, um, I'm not. I wouldn't say I'm in an open relationship um, because I'm not going to go and download the app and just be on the app or right. whatever and try to hook up just like that for no reason. Mm-hmm. But let's say one day we're actually like partying, mm-hmm. right? Like that P and P day that we were talking about earlier, right? right? And we would literally go on the app together, yep. right? And find like it's funny you guys are you guys are talking from the other side, right? Mm-hmm. So on this side, right, we're like getting lit together, whatever. Yeah. And we're like, oh my god, we've been having sex since like six. Okay, we want to like um, call somebody to join us. So who all here is open to an open relationship at this like, point in their life? Emily, or a version a, of it? Okay, a version of it. Yeah, right? like you're. Okay. I think that's the, that is the thing. Open relationships. relationships is very vague, so. You know, I thought, I'm, growing up, I thought there's no way. And then I was introduced to the gay community. I thought, oh, that's, I never thought that was how that could be. Yeah. And now, I, I don't think that's something that I want to do. But I haven't been in a long-term relationship yet. So I'm not going to say never. That's right. Yeah, people cheat. That's the way you described it. People cheat, though. That sounds really healthy because you discuss it. It's not... It's not open relationship where when you're on the road or you're some, you're out of town and you get on your app and you can have all sorts of wild sex because you're not with your boyfriend mm-hmm. and you do it secretly and so on and so forth. I think the way you described it is, is, is quite healthy. Back in the days, there really there wasn't a lot of discussion about open relationships. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it was happening, but we didn't talk about it. It wasn't a thing. And I never believed in it. But as time has gone on, I mean, I haven't been in many relationships, period, but the people that I know, it just seems now that it's inevitable that a relationship, and I, I again, I haven't done a study, but mm-hmm. I think the majority of relationships become open relationships. They're either open or that they fool around and they say, okay, you can do what you want, just not talk about it. Don't bring the person home. Mm-hmm. Don't tell me about it. You can do what you want. That's mm-hmm. one category. And the other one is where it's completely open. 
Um, and then the third one now is the throuple thing, where there's a lot of that. Or polyamorous. Know, or polyamorous. Yeah. So it's become, I think, a much more accepted and common thing when someone's been together for, I mean, sometimes people do it right off the bat, but after maybe two or three years, it seems to become that. And, and I would like to know what people's, how people experience that. Because I don't know, I do not know a single gay couple that is not in an open relationship. Right. So to your point, you know, monogamy is a very, I think it's religious based. Mm -hmm. It's well, it's a relatively new phenomenon in, in, in our evolution, yeah. but it's not necessarily a natural way to go. No. no matter how you feel about it, it seems to almost go against human nature. Now, the most important thing is, I think, again, the communication. Yes. No matter what you're into, no matter what you want to be into, you got to be open about it with your partner. How are we feeling? Are we feeling pressured into open relationships? Is I think that... so. Like I, in, in my relationship, past relationship, it was very much so. I mean, he was bringing it on. Like that was the pressure from him. And then also like seeing all of our friends in working open relationships. So they say like, but you just hear like, oh, I'm not going to tell him or there's only like, we know I have one friend that's like, everything is open, we can discuss whatever. I'm like, that sounds wonderful. And like, through not being in a relationship now for like two years and doing a lot of work on myself, it just, it, like, I understand it, it makes sense to me, and I want to be like, I'm my own person, I don't own you, yes. you can do whatever you want, I can do whatever we want, we can talk about it, it's wonderful, I still love you, you can, whatever, as long as A, it's safe, not just like, but then I don't want to wear a condom in my relationship. I want it to be, so yeah. there's that. So it's like, that's, that's not going to work. Yeah. You know, I used to, I, I used to think that like, why, why would I want to have sex or be with someone else if I really loved my partner? But yeah. But you have, nice. regardless of being in love with someone, you still, you went on vacation. There's something yeah. again, organic is happening. You're somewhere, someone is giving like, whatever attention and good vibes are happening and you just want to like lean into it mm -hmm. so but what but like why like why i'm just playing the devil to live here. your best life <laughs> no but if you if you are like if you're totally into your boyfriend or your husband or and, whatever like, yeah. why would you want why would you even want to do that i think you're but, still going to be attracted to other people yeah right. yeah no i'm not saying that sure yeah. you'll be attractive but why do you have to like Fair. Like, Maybe for like don't. experience. Yeah. I know like I'm talking to one of my friends who like is, she's she's straight and she's and her boyfriend are thinking of uh, being in an open relationship and she says like you know I'm in I'm in love with him and I want to marry him but I don't want to be 30 years old and look back and be like you know I didn't get to experience being sexual with other people mm -hmm. um, and I don't want to miss out on that. It's an interesting conversation because it, it sort of brings sex as like this thing that's so fucking important like that you have no control, you become an animal, and you have no ability to say no because I just want it. I just want to live my best life. I think there has to be some... But again, there's different versions of that. Like, if your best life is blowing someone in a sauna and whatever, like, that's... There's, yeah. It's like, and what I, are we... Are, like, are we talking about that in our relationship? That, like, what we can and cannot do? Because I feel like that doesn't work. comes back to the risk. You have to let... Yeah, the risk. Understand the risk involved in a choice that you're going to make. If you want to be in an open relationship, it will require more conversation, more communication, and the just outcome being more broad. You may catch something. 
you may have to have a point in the relationship where you need to close it because you both have something or one of you has something. I think these are just the types of conversations we need to have if we're going to engage this way. Well, like open relationships are always like a topic of conversation that I want to have because it makes sense to me. It makes perfect sense. I honestly, from the discussions I've had, I don't think humans should be monogamous. Mm -hmm. But personally, I am a very jealous person. I'm the same way. And um, I've been cheated on a bunch of times. And I wish I could get to that point of being okay in an open relationship. I had a past relationship where um, my partner wanted to be open. And I was like, I was devastated. I was yeah. like, I'm not giving him something sexually. I'm not pleasing him enough. Right. What's wrong with me? Um, so it, it makes sense to me, but I don't think I'm at that point yet where I'm comfortable with being open. Yeah, because I think that back to even what Max was saying, taking these two years to really get to know yourself. Yeah. It's like you're in control of your reaction. So the fact that someone wants to be open has nothing to do with you. Someone that cheats on you has nothing to do with you. It's not that you didn't look a certain way or do something that's a certain way. It's like, but it's easy to think that. Yeah, that's yeah. exactly where you go. Mm -hmm. So to learn to be like that strong, mm -hmm. it's very related to self confidence. Totally, mm -hmm. very related. The more self confident you are, I guess, the more you can think that your partner could have sex with someone else, and it's not because you're not worthy or you're not any good, or that the other person is better. Mm -hmm. But to me, but there was always there was always the risk to. of if you're going to be doing something with somebody else, what if you fall in love with that person? So Again, that's the risk. Part of the queer community, and we use the word queer on the queer network as an umbrella term for the like LGBTQ2 spirited and literally everything else that fits underneath it because we don't think that that acronym is really accurate anymore because there's so much in between. So how are we feeling as gay men? Because when this started a long time ago, it was just lesbian, gay, and bisexual. So that's all we had. And now we have so much more. Pansexual, gender fluid, non-binary, transgender. How are we feeling as a gay community? And I'm I mean gonna, gay men. I'm gonna go out on a limb and maybe be devil's advocate, but I think to a certain extent we just go too far with labels. Mm -hmm. I, I, I understand the need, especially people who are extremely ostracized or alienated maybe feel a need to identify via a label, but I, I think we go way too far with labels. Mm -hmm. I really do. And yet, labels were important for representation. Sure. And so sure. there's where, I, and I totally, I'm, I'm, I agree with you, but it, it also was important that we give bisexuals, well, that's a terrible example because they've been, they've, they've had, well, it's an interesting example because I feel like bisexuals are just completely like washed over. That letter, that letter has been there for a long time, but do bisexual men exist? They certainly do, but we don't talk about it. Yeah. But transgender, absolutely, we needed to give them a voice and a label. Sure. But then again, so I've said all, too you can say far. That for all of them, like, like yeah. gender fluid. Like, mm -hmm. I mean, there are people. What I find again, it's just it's, it's such a different world now. When you have like a person who doesn't identify or identifies as both a he and a she, and you call them they. And we, we had a conversation about this. I, I, I had such a hard time getting my mind around calling a singular person a they, but I get it now because they don't identify as one or the other. Mm -hmm. Sometimes they feel like a he or sometimes they feel like a she. That's completely new. Yeah. You know, and, and really just over in the, the last little while. So does everybody here identify with he, him pronouns? Yeah. It's important to even ask the question these days mm -hmm. because we we you can't assume 
anymore. I think saying queer or, I don't know, gender fluid, but like, it's just, I want to be part of this umbrella term because I can do, or I want to do whatever I want to do. Like, I am super, like, surfing that wave of masculine and feminine, like, all the time. Mm -hmm. I can be both. I want to be more masculine, you know, I'll put this hair up, girl. But like, not right. but, um, and it's just like, you know, you're, you're too gay at a certain point for gay people. You're too gay for like, even straight like, people. even holding back, you're too gay for straight people. You're too femme, you're too this. It's just like, how about nobody cares anymore? Mm -hmm. Like, I know, like, That's yeah, it's like fair. Like we have, I think as well, like, you want a label, you want to fit in, you want something. So great. I'm not that person that feels like they, I mean, I feel like I don't fit in, but I'm not searching for, to hold on to something. Mm -hmm. So like, if you're that person that like needs it, then I'm great. Let's give it to you. Yeah. This is the problem with, and this is what the people we're trying to speak to is mm -hmm. that, you know, we just got a whole bunch of people accepting gay marriage and accepting gay and, 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 we introduce this stuff. Like even trans is, is very new. You know, we're having a, a, a today. We're having a discussion with with four trans people, and I mean that's a huge thing for for people to accept. So what do you, what do you, what do you guys feel about labels? I, I I honestly I think they're a great thing. I think it's like an identifier for people to feel if it's personal preference. If people want to identify with something, they're like mm -hmm. this is what I am. Then it's great. If people want to do the, just like the umbrella of being like I'm queer. Not identify with it. I think having the option mm -hmm. to identify or not. So you're okay with it? Yeah, absolutely. I think labels are important depending on environment, mm -hmm. right? So if like if in a hookup environment, like you're on an app. I know this is even like the worst thing to bring it in, but like if you're on an app, right? Having a label of top and bottom and yep. this and that and boom 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 is actually helpful for the situation because it can like speed things along or right. you know whatever. People are into preferences, mm -hmm. so then they see these words and. Oh my god! I feel like I'm gonna starting a whole well, yeah, shit with that. But yeah, um, I think they're important in those kind of environments. Something like this, where we're just actually getting to know each other. I don't think labels are important in an environment like this, mm -hmm. right? So it's kind of it depends on where you are and what you what you need those labels for. Yeah, I think labels are great. I don't personally use them myself. I use them. I do use them sometimes, mm -hmm. but I'm not one to use it on a day to day basis. Mm -hmm. If I meet someone, um, I will tell them. Like, yes, I am gay. Mm -hmm. And like sometimes my friends, I will even, you know, tell them. But I don't use it on a day-to-day -day basis mm -hmm. to like make sure everyone knows. Yeah. I just kind of do my own thing. And, you know, I just say, you know, I am who I am. Mm -hmm. You don't need to label me as anything unless I feel like I can tell you. So kind of to wrap this all up, and I, I, I will ask at the very end if there's anything else specifically that you want to say. But part of why we did this is because we want to open up a conversation about how we talk to people that don't understand us. That's part of why we did this panel. We understand each other, for the most part, um, all coming from different sides of an equation or a different angle. But how do we speak to people who don't understand this community? It's not easy to um, talk to people who don't understand, and you... You do know that I have family members mm -hmm. who don't and have been very against it yeah. and it's been hard, but it's, um, I think kind of opening their eyes, at least trying to open their eyes, even trying to talk to them, as hard as that is, it's not easy to try to talk to someone 
about it, especially if they know that's what you're trying to talk about. Mm -hmm. But any sort of way to try to get them to realize this is not like a choice, mm -hmm. like a lot of people do assume it is, um, and kind of giving them the time to acknowledge it as well. Mm -hmm. I think that what you did is actually like the best thing ever. You told them, which I couldn't even do, right? But you told them, so you took it off of your own shoulders and lifted on them. So RuPaul talks a lot about finding your own tribe, and mm -hmm. I think that's a really important thing to remember, that it may not be your family right away, or ever. Mm -hmm. I think we have, you know, religion plays a part in making family the, like, rock of your life, and for some people it will be, but for other people it won't be, and there's other ways to find family in this world, in this life. What about, okay, from a different perspective, not of your personal self coming out, what about just people in general? Mm -hmm. Like, how do we, you know, how do we get... Edu educate them and stuff? Yeah. So, like, yeah. I think it's important for them to come into a queer environment. Um, I don't think it's good for us to try to impose too much on um, people who are not interested. Mm -hmm. and, and hopefully program, like just watching certain programs and programs like this and, mm -hmm. and, and CNN does some great things and just the other day a, a straight friend of mine, she said, you know, I just was on, uh, was just happened to be watching and she watched Queer Eye. Oh yeah. And, and said, ah, I didn't think she was going to like it. And she said, I cried. She said, I can't believe how in-depth it went and how you learn about these people. And it's like, that's the thing that I kind of think. We, yeah. you know, we need to educate people. And that's a good point, though. Don't force people into it. Let them, let them like, present stuff to them and let them see it. Yeah. Right? Bottom line is, we're no different than anybody else. We just have, we just like men. Yeah. You know? yeah. Really. Absolutely. Love men. <laughs> yeah, I think I just want to also give everybody an opportunity if there's anything else specifically that you want to say or that you feel needs to be discussed in a panel like this or for people who are watching at home. I, I'd like to add the whole concept of, you know, this day and age now we're looking at, if you look at politics, there's, there's Islamophobia, there's just general xenophobia, homophobia and stuff. I think people who hate any group, really, really need to take a close look at themselves and, and, and look at what that, where the hell that hate comes from. Because mm -hmm. we can all agree we're all, we're all human beings. I don't care about skin color. I don't care about your religion. I don't care about where you come from. We're all human beings. Mm -hmm. Whether we're having sex with other guys, whether we're having sex with women, whatever is going on, wh where does that freaking hate come from? And, and nowadays, as, as like I said, we're so polarized and we have a divisive idiot running the United States and so on, and in other right-wing countries. Where does that hate come from? And people really need to take a deep down look at themselves to understand what it is. I know the first, the mo one of the most obvious ways of justifying disapproval of certain groups is religion. Yeah. Well, it says in the Bible, well, you know what, it doesn't. Mm -hmm. I, I'm not, and that's a whole other conversation, but there, it is not a fact. There are no facts to support homophobia. There are no facts to support racism, xenophobia of any sort. So I think a really important conversation for others mm -hmm. that are not part of a labeled group like us to look at where the hell that comes from. Mm -hmm. And it's going to run deep. Well, I it think really, it's, really runs deep. It's it, a horrible projection of what's inside of someone. It's our, I, I take it upon myself, and I hope you all do as well, that it's our job 
part of just being here and in the roles that we represent as the people that we are to have those face-to-face -face conversations with people because this program is great and it's going to speak to a lot of people, but sometimes that's not enough for people. They need Absolutely. a face-to-face -face conversation. Once they're ready and open mm -hmm. for it, then yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, um, I also think that I hope people watch this that are, you know, queer and deal with, you know, um, hate mm -hmm. and can see that it's not just them getting it yeah. because, you know, even me back in like school and stuff, I did receive hate. Mm -hmm. And like being in the town I was in, there was not many queer people right. at all. So I definitely felt, you know, alienated and like isolated from everything else. And I hope that other people that are feeling like that or could be soon going through that can see things like this mm -hmm. and realize that they are not the only ones mm -hmm. and that there are better places. To You're not alone. Yeah. To me, it seems like it'd be. I mean, other than family stuff, but I think society stuff, it's hell about easier to come out now than it was 30 years ago. I would just want, I want to say, like, I want straight people to belong to the term queer. Mm. Like, choose to, you're a part of that as well. You can be. You can be. And, like, for me, that means, like, freedom to do whatever. And it's, like, however you want to look, however you want to act, however, whatever, like, it was like queer being a, a label of emancipation. Yeah. You're free to be whoever the hell you are, yes. whether it relates to your sexuality or any other yeah. preference or group you want to be a part of. Yeah. I would tell straight people, I would just encourage for anyone who doesn't maybe understand what it's like to just be kind of open-minded to the fact and like put yourself a little into your perspective of what it would be like to live in a world where being straight would be, mm. be discriminated mm -hmm. for just being. Um, and yeah, I think it's progressed a lot. Well, like you said, like it's it's a lot easier for people to come up. But gay bashing is still yeah, yeah. A, a very very relevant right now today. So mm -hmm. all right, thank you, gentlemen, for being here. It's been a pleasure to have you. Thank you for listening to the Queer Network podcast. You can follow the Queer Network on YouTube, Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. Join us next time for another queer conversation. <laughs>